Chris Scalzo here with Matt Howell. On this episode of the first round, Matt and I are going to jump into the multiverse again. Man, man, I'm just overloaded by multiverse stuff at this point. This time, it's parallel universes just chock full of Peter Parkers and spider people. Miles Morales returns with pretty much every other Spider-Man you can think of and Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. Matt, the first film was kind of a breath of fresh air, I think, for the animated genre. And now we have the sequel. So do we make some progress? Do we take some step back? Uh, is it could be even better than that last one? Have we redefined the genre again? I don't know. There's the uh, web-swinging rundown of the big releases on physical media, featuring your streaming and straight-to-DVD picks of the week. And Matt and I will discuss the latest Stephen King adaptation of the short story, The Boogeyman. I guess it's been made into two other short films previously, but this is an actual full theatrical release, which wasn't originally the case. And then Matt and I will wrap up the big show by sharing our five favorite animated series theme songs. Let's start everything off, though, with a clip from Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. You and me, it's... We're the same. In the important ways, you know. In every other universe, Gwen Stacy falls for Spider-Man. And in every other universe, it doesn't end well. Well, it's the first time for everything, right? Mm -hmm. Wait, Matt, is this kind of like some sappy romance drama movie? (laughs) What is... Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse all about? That's a tough one. So the movie opens with Gwen Stacy, a.k.a. Spider-Woman, a.k.a. Spider-Gwen, in her universe. Gives her some backstory. We get introduced to the idea of anomalies. Basically the same idea of variants that we've seen in some of the other Marvel cinema uh, MCU stuff. And basically... A version of Jessica Drew Spider Woman and Spider Man 2099, Miguel O'Hara, come back, make changes to the timeline, take care of what needs to be taken care of, and they bring Spider Gwen along with them to their, I guess, their version of the MTA from Loki. Uh, except it's all, it's all completely filled out with Spider People. But Gwen's lonely. She misses Miles, someone who she considers her only true friend that she still has left. Mm -hmm. And she can't help herself but go and visit him in his version of Earth, even though she's been expressly forbidden to do so. Very nice. I think that's that's good, considering we want to avoid certain things, spoiler-wise. And then it is kind of a dense film at time as well that tackles a lot of different things, so... That's fair. I, I, that, that works for me, Matt. So what are your thoughts? I think with the original film, we both really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. I think the first one's like in your top three Spider-Man films. Is that accurate? Yeah, I would say that's true. Yes. So what are your thoughts on Across the Spider-Verse? Do you have a new favorite Spider-Man movie? Hmm, That's a great question. I completely have been on record on this show that I absolutely adore into the Spider-Verse. It was a breath of fresh air. It's not only in my, in my top three of superhero movies, it's, I mean, in Spider-Man movies, it's in my top three of superhero movies in general. And 
I thought it brought a real sense of fun back to the character, which I loved with a good amount of just acknowledgement of the comics. This is still great. It's still really good for me. And I may be in the minority here. I didn't like it quite as much as I liked the first one. The first one is self-contained. This is definitely a part one and it leaves you on a cliffhanger and it's a lot heavier. It's got a lot more of an Empire Strikes Back kind of vibe to this. It's not as, it's not quite mm-hmm. as fun. There are some great fun scenes in this. Don't get me wrong, but okay. there is a heaviness to it that kind of goes into this one that I think just just a hair brings it a little lower than the original for me. But ask me again next year after we get the sequel and we'll see where we stand. Yeah, and they're also, I guess, they've announced that they will be making a live-action Miles Morales film now as mm-hmm. well. So we'll have to see how that shakes out. Uh, yeah, Matt, I don't... Hmm. No, I think you're wrong on this. I think <laughs> that uh, Across the Spider-Verse actually is a better all-around film than the uh, original one. Now, I think, though, I'm coming at it from a slightly different angle. I think I agree with you. The first film is more self-contained. It's lighter. It's more fun. There's a larger, I think, sense of, all oh, gee whiz, kind of wonder to it as he kind of figures out who he is and all that. That's fine. And it was kind of the first time I think we had really seen, at least uh, for me, that type of animation style on the big screen. Mm-hmm. This film, Matt, is pushing those boundaries now. Not just for, for me, for, for animation, but for storytelling, potentially cinema itself. I walked out of this thing like, just God damn. This thing was just visually impressive. Each one of the spider characters kind of has their own aesthetic look, mm-hmm. even when it comes to their backgrounds. Not mean like their stories, but I mean like the literal visual palette that they deal in all is kind of this own different art style. And I think not only is it just visually engrossing and arresting i think it's easily the most immersive comic book experience i think i've ever had i think sam raimi's spider-man 2 captured the feel of that maybe the best of what it's like to watch a comic book you could say maybe ang lee is a little more literal on that with his hulk film but this is a whole other level for me i mean it's just the artistry on this is just mind-boggling to me it was gorgeous to watch and it's the visuals of it were just, I said, I think just visually arresting. And it is, I just couldn't take my eyes off it. I just wanted more and more of it. It was just a stunning experience to watch. And I think another reason why it works so well is not just A, the aesthetics, not just how incredible it looks, but also how grounded the film is in its humanity. The balance on focusing on the incredible visuals with this multiverse story and the fact that they, even though they're superheroes, they're, they're people too. Mm-hmm. Right, and I think that they're able to. The, there's a three-team director chorus on this. All right, a Joaquin Dos Santos, a Kemp Powers, and a Justin Thomas. And I don't know if maybe they're all tasked with different things. I'd imagine because this film, I cannot imagine what it was like to put this thing together. Mm-hmm. It, it seems just immense to me. The undertaking of this, not only the the voice acting, which is phenomenal. Not only the aesthetics of it, the drawing, the illustration, the animation, but also, too, I want to add in the score. This is possibly my favorite score for a film I've seen this year so far as well. There's a beautiful blending of kind of hip-hop songs, but as well as kind of traditional movie score work. And uh, that's by Daniel Pemberton. And again, I, 
Matt, I really am just blown away by this film. If I have any criticism, it may run a bit long. I don't know if we... I guess we're going to find out with the whole new Prowler subplot thing. Because mm-hmm. just when you feel like the film's kind of coming to an end, we realize... Because I, I think I just totally forgotten that this was split into two parts and we were getting mm-hmm. a, another film next year. That, I don't know, it feels like a neat idea, but also kind of like a diversion just to slow things up here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see about that, Matt. But I don't know. what 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 am I... What's wrong with me? Why am I so blown away by this thing? And then you're kind of just more kind of like, oh, it's good. It's good. I don't know. I mean, maybe it could be that I was watching this at like one o'clock in the morning when I finally got out of that theater. So that could be it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I don't know. I guess I'm sitting here watching this thing and I'm really enjoying it. And I think maybe part of it is once you kind of move past the Gwen Stacy stuff, Mm -hmm. the beginning of it. The beginning of it, especially when he, they're introducing the spot and all that stuff, it doesn't, it seems to kind of go a little long, right? And it, and it kind of seemed to be like, yeah. I really enjoyed seeing this, but it's not anything I haven't seen before, right? Mm-hmm. And I think once they kind of get to Spider Central and Nueva New York and all of that stuff, it really picks up, especially when they get to Moonbotten and Indian Spider-Man and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, that's when the, the film really really comes to life. But I think there's like a good 20, 25 minutes in the beginning there. Like after you introduce Gwen's backstory, lay the foundation of kind of scene setting with Miles and kind of getting you where he is kind of thing. It just, it just lacked a little bit of life for me. Like it seemed like it was a little bit of filler. It was a little too long. Um, and I think it just, again, I'm still going to give this movie you know, a great grade, but it, it's just, it just brought it down just a nudge for me because I was like, okay, let's, let's kind of get moving here on some of it. I, and again, that could have been the fact that I was forced to go to a ten fifteen showing on a Sunday night. So Oof. that, uh, <laughs> that could be the case, but I don't know. I think that's maybe my only criticism of the thing. Um, and then of course, just other things of, you know, uh, spider man, nerd stuff like, uh, making Ben Riley the Scarlet Spider comic relief with Andy Samberg was like, oh mm-hmm. man, it did Ben Riley it did him pretty dirty on that one, but you know, whatever. That's 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 okay. That's just a nerd complaint. Yeah, I didn't read any of the Clone Wars stuff, so mm-hmm. I was never. I, I knew of the Scarlet Spider and all that yeah. stuff, but yeah. I never. Uh, yeah, fair enough. I. Yeah, I, I did a double bill of this, but I started my double bill early. Mm. I saw the Boogeyman at five and this at seven. Mm. So I was out around nine thirty, nine forty five. So it wasn't as bad for me, thankfully, as it was for you, it sounds. But yeah, so I don't know, Matt. I just I really <laughs> I just can't get over the, the experience of this. It's 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 so much fun and it's I enjoyed the opening of it. I because mm-hmm. I get I got sucked into this thing right away. And just the aesthetic choices, is, again, the animation style, all of this, the way it's done, there's sh- shots where you're like you're in a comic book almost. It's, I, it's a feast for the eyes, folks. I can't recommend it enough. It's, again, it, it's, it's a massive film. It feels intimate by focusing on its characters. It never spins out of control, even though it's doing a lot of heavy lifting. You're kind of like on this roller coaster and you have no idea what's going around the next dip or the next turn. That's kind of how I felt the whole time. And I'm not even just the film itself, but again, what visual was I going to get next? And I could not wait to see what it was going to be. 
So, uh, what are your thoughts on the spot? I've always kind of liked the spot. When I read mm-hmm. as reading comics, it was right around the time the spot got his introduction. Mm-hmm. So it was in Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man '99, and I think in the original comic though, he's trying. He's still working for Kingpin, mm-hmm. but he's trying to recreate Cloak's powers of yeah. Cloak and Dagger, mm-hmm. and then it goes horribly wrong. And he's able, though, I think in that, he's still in the, in the beginning able to throw his spots. Right. Which, um, yeah. So either way, I always thought he was kind of a dumb, fun, yet cool villain. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think they do him justice here. I think it's a really fun and interesting character as well, played by Jason Schwartzman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really liked how they took him from kind of this goofball we'll call say villain of the week uh you know thinking that it was like a an interlude before we got to the big bad to kind of really making him more menacing and scary mm-hmm. and as we go through and i think uh i think they really that really worked i thought it was really effective i thought too that first introduction when spider-man first runs into spot was one of my favorite spider-man scenes mm-hmm. i think i've seen the way it, it captures the humor and um just the whole thing it's just it's a lot of fun that scene alone is just a ton of fun, Matt. It makes me, after watching this thing, so this was written now, right, by Phil Lord and Chris Miller as well as David Callahan. And I've seen, since we've seen the stuff that Lord and Miller have done over the last 10 years or so, it really makes me wonder, what were they doing on Solo that mm. freaked Disney out so much that they fired them and brought them in, brought Ron Howard in? I can't, I, because I've been really impressed with everything they've done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Unless they were really just kind of jettisoning the the canon or playing fast and loose and making it too silly, maybe. And maybe Disney was looking more for a you know rock you know rollicking adventure kind of thing. That's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, it's weird. Blows my mind, man. Uh, all right, so Spider Man Across Spider Verse is getting an A from me. Yeah, it's going to get an A from me as well. Like I said, <laughs> my well, I mean, here's the thing. I don't want to come across as I really enjoyed it. I'm just saying that I didn't like it as much as I liked the first one. If that's the comparison you're going to ask me to, to put it up against, I still think the first one is better. But again, we'll see what happens when all three of them are out. And maybe I'll be like, this one is head and shoulders above it. Or maybe the next one's going to be, you know, the pinnacle of, of spiderness. Yeah, we'll have to see. If you had a chance to see Spider-Man Across Spider-Verse currently playing in theaters, did you see it in Dolby? I did. Awesome. Yeah, I did. And I was actually, I have a bit of a complaint with Dolby. I don't know if it was just me getting old, but sometimes the, the music drowned out the dialogue. Like I couldn't hear what they were saying. Yeah. It was kind of mumbled because there's all this dramatic music and sound effects going on in the background. And I'm like, man, I wish I had some subtitles so I could catch everything here. Yeah, I had that experience too. From what I understand, that seems to be the last five years or so that tends to be, tend to be a trend mm-hmm. with sound mixing where, the the mix is off, and every now and then it's from what I understand that's like intentional. Yeah. That it's not a mistake. So I don't know why it just seems to be this trend in the industry for some films. I don't I don't I don't get it. Feedback at thefirstrun dot com. Would love to hear your thoughts. What are you, what's your grade for Across the Spider Verse? So where would you go? Would this be in your top five or not yet? Yeah. It would still be in my top five. Again, we're in one of those situations where it sounds like I'm shitting on it. I'm not shitting on it. I really enjoyed it. I just, (laughs) I just, you know, I just like the first one better. And I'm really hoping in number three, we can get some Kane Parker version of, of uh, the Scarlet Spider because he's like the brutal Batman punish the shit out of villains uh, version of Spider-Man. I can't, I'm sure. Why not? We've we've gotten everything else (laughs) that I could think of. So 
All right, that's awesome. Let's go ahead then keep rolling, Matt. Let's spend a few minutes talking about what's coming up on physical media this upcoming Tuesday, June 13th. This is a 4K release, Matt. I had this on DVD, and I bought it digitally on iTunes for 5 bucks because uh, I'm like, well, I, I love this film. I haven't watched it in a long time, so let me upgrade it that way because I'm trying to just... You know, I'm spending too much money. It's just mm. it's out of control. Yeah, you are. So, You're getting crazy. Getting crazy. <laughs> I'm I'm thinking I'm thinking about picking up a, uh, a region free player because mm. Frontiers and May are being released by I think Second Sight on Blu-ray next month. I think, mm. and I love both of those films, but I they haven't been released on Blu-ray here yet. So yeah. I don't know. All right, but anyway, you can uh, listen to uh, this wonderful little whacked out film. Hello, I- I'm Hood. It's Robin Hood. Say good morning, you scum. Morning, morning. You're all robbers. Oh, the best, Mr. Hood. Charlie, good. You're a robber, are you? Charlie, good. And do you enjoy robbing then? Well, it helps pay the rent, sir. Ha, 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 Ah, 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 jolly good. Ah, ah, ah. And you're a robber too, are you? How long have you been a robber? Four foot one. Good lord. Jolly good. Four foot one. Yes. Well, that, 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 that is, is a long time, isn't it? Well, now, I hear you've made a pretty good haul. Well, see for yourself, sir. I say. I mean, I've been in robbing for years, but we've never seen anything like this. Yes. Crammed. And you, you acquired all this by yourself? Well, it was a good day, Mr. Hood. Jolly good day. Jolly good day, Matt. That, of course, is John Cleese's Robin Hood and Terry Gilliam's Time Bandits being released in 4K from Criterion this upcoming Tuesday. i got to check if my uh, digital copy is 4K now. Because they usually do upgrade them automatically for mm-hmm. you when they get released. Oh. So I'll have to see if it's there. Nice. And, uh, yeah. So you a big fan of Time Bandits? I remember seeing it in the theater and it freaked me out. Yeah. scared me, but I still loved it. Yeah, I remember watching it when I was a kid and being underwhelmed by it. Mm-hmm. But I would kind of – I think I need to revisit it because I haven't seen it, I think, probably since I was, you know, 8, 10 years old, whatever it was the first time I saw it. Yeah, same for me. Uh, all right, so what's coming up here? Number five. Number five. Universal's putting out Society. It follows a Bolshoi schoolgirl whose world is shaken, man, after knowing that her big sister will give up her dreams to get engaged, and she believes she must save her sister from the shackles of marriage by pulling off a wedding heist. Ah, oh, should have thrown that in our marathon. <laughs> this, is not, this is not the Yuzna film, Society with Billy Warlock. I don't want to get you disappointed. Ooh, this might be for you, Matt. <laughs> Shop Factory's putting out Shaw Brothers Classics Volume 1. It's a box set that includes The Assassin, The Thundering Sword, The Golden Swallow, The Jade Raksha, The Bells of Death. I almost read that as Balls of Death. The Sword of Swords, Killer Darts, The Invincible Fist, Dragon Swap, The Flying Dagger, and The Golden Sword, all included in the Shop Factory set. I'm still haven't bought that uh, Arrow Volume 2 Shaw set. Mm. I learned my lesson because I bought the first one because it was limited edition when it came out for like 90 bucks. And then it was available a couple times, like six months later, for fifty. And I'm like, all right, I learned my lesson. <laughs> hey, so but I'm you know s- what? You you contributed to the health of Arrow, the financial well-being of Arrow. That's very true. That's very true. Get three coffins ready. Uh-huh. Huh? 
All right, Matt. So we got a uh, I got a duel number three for you. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Both Disney Movie Club releases. So you have to be a member of the Disney Movie Club to get these. Sword in the Stone and Peter Pan are getting their Blu-ray releases as part of the Disney Club. I'm assuming re-release. I think they've both been released on Blu-ray before, but now uh, they are back in print. Next up. Looks like we're shy one horse. <laughs> you brought two too many. Matt, I think we still got to do this for the show at some point. I'll, I'm going to watch it because I just something appeals to me about it. The Pope's Exorcist. Mm. This is Russell Crowe playing the exorcist there. Is being released, inspired by the actual files, wink, of Father Gabriel Amroth, chief exorcist of the Vatican. The Pope's exorcist follows Amroth as he investigates a young boy's terrifying possession and ends up uncovering a centuries-old conspiracy the Vatican has desperately tried to keep hidden. Includes uh, a couple featurettes, but I, I just, I don't know. I gotta see Russell Crowe, that meme with him on the on the Vespa there, the scooter going down the streets of Italy. It just, there's something about it that appeals to me. And then finally, finally, there can be only one. John Wick Chapter 4 is being released, a Best Buy Steelbook. Amazon has a uh, unique addition to themselves with a third disc. This is a feature called The World of Wick, kind of a documentary on all the stuff, you know, in, in that world. And I'm kicking myself because they had it on sale. This, again, is a 4K disc for 20 bucks for mm. like three days. And ever since, it's been 40 so, and I think even now you can't even get it. I think it's officially sold out. Uh, what else? Walmart has a steel book or a slip case. Uh, you can get either one that comes with a Comic-Con poster. And then Target has, I don't understand this, but it has all four films with different dogs on the covers. It's like the dog kind of in each film is on, on the cover. So there's that. <laughs> there is a ton of featurettes on the making of this one, Matt. But I think you and I both said basically this is going to be day one purchase for us. I really can't wait to rewatch this. Mm, me too. So uh, what else we got coming out in 4K? Rain Man getting a 4K release as well as a 1980 film Scream. No, not that one. This is from 81 now. Also known as The Outing from Scream Factory is coming out. Your straight to DVD pick of the week, Matt, is called Bone Cold. An experienced black ops sniper attempts a nightmarish escape after a failed mission, tracked by enemy soldiers hell-bent on revenge and hunted by something sinister and monstrous, hungry and determined. I guess it's not officially part of the Sniper series, but uh, this one's Bone Cold. What should we be streaming this week? So I caught up with a series, um, very short series on Amazon Prime called Shiny Happy People. It's a docuseries about um, the Duggar family, uh, the events that happened with Josh Duggar and his imprisonment, and the kind of Christian cult that they belong to, the IBLP, and it's wild, uh, especially when they start talking about what the Christian fundamentalism movements were trying to do as far as being a part of government and the things that they had mm-hmm. to try and do, that you're all kind of seeing them, so a lot of their efforts come to fruition now, and it's crazy to watch. I highly recommend it. It's only four episodes long. It's four hours of your time. So check it out if you are so inclined. Yeah, I was listening to the audiobook. I don't think I ever finished it a while ago. Was it C Street, K Street? I can't remember. But about kind of that similar stuff about mm. the uh, religious rights influence on government. But I did start watching myself. I am, I think, three episodes in on Barry. I oh. finally started watching it. What do you think? And I am, I am really, really enjoying it. 
It's great. When the man. Russian or guy sends him the, the, the when he's have to wait to kill the guy, and it's just hanging in there, and he sends a picture of the cat holding onto the tree. Yeah, or when he I sends, laughed uh, out loud. When I don't know if you've gotten to this point yet, where it says like he names the boss. He says the boss wants to talk to you, and then he sends a emoji of gulp. Looks like he's all scared. It's, it's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> no ho, Hank is the best. All right. Well, yeah. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, I have started Barry, so that'll be fun. All right, folks. Let's go ahead and keep rolling here and spend a few minutes talking about the uh, adaptation of Stephen King's The Boogeyman. They called it The Boogeyman. Yeah, that's the way I used to look at them. Like they were crazy. I found out the hard way I was wrong. Wants to play with its food, scare them to death. Shit, I can't even talk like them. Like a goddamn echo. It needs the dark to stay hidden. Fire was the first thing man used to see at night. They've been around that long. I think it's been around forever. Forever. Matt, the Boogeyman. Did you ever read the original short story? I guess it's only like 11 pages long. I have the Night Shift book, Mm -hmm. and I'm... I've been picking up off and on, and I haven't gotten to it yet. And I wanted mm. to before the episode, but unfortunately, it didn't work out. I understand one of the criticisms of the film is that it deviates greatly from the uh, short story. Granted, I guess if you're going to make a feature film out of like, what, 11, 12 something page short yeah. story, you're going to have to add some stuff into it. So I'm going to ask you about that. But first off, Matt, let's talk about the boogeyman. So the Harper family, we have two young girls, Sadie and Sawyer, and their dad, Will, is a therapist. And their mom dies in a car accident. So they're dealing with the grief of all of that. And one day, their dad gets a a uh, uh, a client, walks in off the street, basically. And he his family's been killed by something. And he is blamed for their death. I think he maybe he's murdered them. He perhaps, perhaps not takes his own life in their house. And something may have followed him there. And now is preying on the children. Because, see, that's what it likes, Matt. It likes grief. And let me tell you about the boogeyman. Grief infects us all, sometimes literally sucking the life force out of us until we make peace with the deceased, you know? Was that not clear, Matt? Because this movie is going to make that very, very clear to you about grief. (laughs) Very clear. We're going to take some time, and we're going to reiterate it quite a few times. Mm -hmm. But grief, Matt, will rot your soul if you can't let go and move on. Didn't... So is this like the... Like the like a companion piece, the smile, which is all about trauma and how that it could will rot your soul. Be. Yeah, it could. I, I see. I don't go back and forth on this stuff because, like, I appreciate when horror tries to focus on these kind of emotive states and mm-hmm. draw on kind of trauma and, and grief, whatever the case may be. Right, like like what Babadook, right? Or what is all about what postpartum depression kind right. of a thing, right? All that kind of stuff. But then part of me still. I just want some monster just rip some shit up. Yeah. You know, right. yeah. <laughs> you, you go down the wrong alley and then that's that type of yeah. a thing. But that, you know what? Those films are out there too. So I'm not going to complain. I can watch that as well. Anytime I wanted Matt, the boogeyman was originally intended for Hulu, 
tested so well that they decided to go for theatrical release. Stephen King himself supposedly watched a screening of it and said, you got to put this out. This mm. is really good. Matt, was that the right call? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, we're... Look, guys, there's there's a dearth of horror films. Most of them that even make it to theaters are not great. Um, so if we get like two or three a year that are even decent, I'm pretty happy. I don't think it's great. I thought it was good enough. I thought it was, you know, solid in parts. It was entertaining enough. Um, I think some of the kind of focusing on grief at times is effective. Other times mm -hmm. it's maybe less effective. Um, mm -hmm. But overall, I, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I agree with you, Matt. It's it's It does what it intends to do. And mm -hmm. I think it does it well enough. There are some weird decisions maybe some characters take make. And also, I'm assuming there's rolling brownouts in this city because the lights are always dimmed if they're sure. even on. Right. I, I don't know. Like, there's a lot of little things like that where we have – where Rob Savage, the director, is focused on building a mood and creating an atmosphere. And he, and he does it well. All right? I think it's it, – it mostly works. I think the, the, we have some committed performances, and it's a well-executed horror film that runs just over 90 minutes. Mm -hmm. And I think it's worth your time. I think it, it, it has solid atmospherics, as I said, and – so I think a few really solid jump scares. Mm -hmm. One of them particularly effective that I did not kind of see coming at all. So I appreciate that. Now, you know, no cats jumping out of closets types of things here, <laughs> right? Remember, jump scares aren't always bad. So that, and then, you know, it, it's a little formulaic with some of its stuff. I think uh, there's the high school friend. There's the bully mm -hmm. that's part of the group, you know. And I almost feel like maybe the, the younger sister's kids would have been meaner than the high school kids would have right, been to her right. type of a thing. But that's that's fine. And I'm also happy that we didn't have – that she, there wasn't any love interest for the uh, teenage high school girl there because that would have served basically just to kind of increase the body count type right. of a thing. So I'm glad right. we we didn't do anything with that. But it's good. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. You know, I think it's it's well worth checking out. If you like a good solid horror film – then I think it's 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 well worth your time. I don't think it's as good as I think Smile or what else did we see this year that was really good? Evil Dead Rise. Now there was something else I'm blanking on. Either way, but it's a nice companion piece to those, Matt. It's it's fine. So I wanted to ask you. So how much? You know what? How much does it differentiate from? Don't give me too much because I still sure. want to read it. Sure. So I will say this. The Boogeyman is considered one of Stephen King's best short stories, and it's really solid. Other than you know the kind of uh, therapist setting and the fact that Lester Billings is the main character of that story and Doctor Harper, it's very very different. I don't see how you could adapt that into a into a completely long film. So the liberties they took and the kind of stuff they create out of whole cloth, I'm completely fine with it because you couldn't stretch it into a it's a it's a tight little scary spooky story and that's really all it is all right i'll read it before the next episode and maybe i'll, I'll report back on that so mm -hmm. man, i'm giving the boogeyman a b minus you know what so am i b minus all around perfect in laps lock step lock step i'll get there <laughs> you had a chance to see the boogeyman which is currently in theaters we'd love to hear your thoughts feedback at the first run dot com all right now let's close out the big show and spend a few minutes talking about our five favorite animated series theme songs. And here's one that didn't quite make the cut for me. 
right, Matt, that is Ray Ellis's Star Trek The Animated Series intro. And I'm going to bring that down because I have no idea how this is going to work with copyrights if I'm playing theme songs all the way through. <laughs> so the Ray Ellis may jump back up at some point in my uh, top five. I'll have to see how that goes. So uh, how do we do this, Matt? I guess I'll go first. We'll give you the ultimate number one. Okay. And we're going to play some themes as we go. But I think my number five then... I'm fairly confident it may show up on my esteemed co-host list, so I'm not going to say much about it. But Batman the Animated Series is, I think, one of the all-timers. But I think part of the issue I struggle with with it is that it borrows so heavily mm. from Danny Elfman's score. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's still, it sets the mood for what you're about to see, Bruce Timm's kind of uh, relaunch of uh, a Batman cartoon. But it sets the mood perfectly, So, um, but that's my number five. And uh, probably the most recent one on here, too. That's mm-hmm. the other thing, too. So when I say it may show up, Matt and I actually had to coordinate a little bit. We didn't. Sh- he sh- gave me his list so I could pull audio for him. Mm-hmm. So I know what's coming for him. Uh, but still, it's... Yeah, we'll, we'll let Matt talk more about it. So I, oh, that's what I meant to say, is... He is more, I think, well-versed in modern animation, Mm -hmm. I say then, because he's hipper than me, and two, because he's got a kid. So I'm Mm -hmm. thinking that why he was more familiar with this stuff. You're going to see a lot of my stuff is much older. Right. That's fair. All right, so what's what's your five? All right, so my five is um, a Disney XD show called Star vs. the Forces of Evil. All right, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Ready? Okay. All right, so go ahead. You know what I do is I pre-dragged out mm-hmm. all of these around the 20-second mark, but I feel like that might be too long. All right, so okay. go ahead. Talk right. about this show. Yeah, so it's just uh, super It's super catchy. It's a fun little show. Me and my daughter really enjoyed watching it. Um, I thought the opening theme song and the, everything that kind of goes with it is is you know fast-paced, upbeat. It's it's catchy. And I don't know. I just something about it that I just really like. It just uh, it appeals to my... Uh, fast beat punk rock sensibilities. Nice. I, I saw that when I was pulling the audio, I, I was able to see the opening of the show that it mm-hmm. applies to. And it looks like a fun little show, too, I have to admit. It is. All right, then. Here's uh, my number four. The Adventures of Batman with Robin Boy Wonder. Batman and Robin, dynamic duo against crime and corruption, whose real identities is millionaire philanthropist Bruce Wayne and his young ward Dick Grayson are known only to Alfred the Faithful Butler. Ever alert that responds So that's the Adventures of Batman cartoon from 1968. I think it only ran for a season or so. Um, but I like to, it goes in and starts talking about all the villains too, like with the portly penguin, which is just rude. Um, but I was putting my list together. I realized that a lot of my stuff kind of also some of my, I should say a lot, but some of my stuff has a nice jazzy feel to it, which I appreciate. Like one of my honorable mentions is Ar- the Archer theme song. I like that one a lot too. The Adventures of Batman. Now, granted, I'm not sixty. I'm not. I, w- I was not born to watch this show. Right? I wasn't on. I wasn't alive when it first aired. But I would see the reruns of it, and I don't know. I just I just always loved the sound of it. I can't really describe why. So that's my four. Good. All right. So my number four, then you just want to play it? Okay, sure. Let's go. Yeah. 
what are we? What are, so we are listening to. So in the eighties, young Matt is super, super into giant robots. He loves Transformers. He loves Voltron. But this one, for some reason, is fantastic. This is the theme from Robotech, where an American company named Harmony Gold bought three unrelated Japanese anime series, redubbed them in English, and smashed them together to make it a, a somehow a semi-coherent series. But as a five-year-old, I didn't give a shit. Um, he had planes that turned into robots. It was fighting aliens. It was great. And something about that, it kind of reminds me of the Battlestar Galactica theme, which I really liked as well when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I just think it's just as far as just a straight up, uh, you know, military orchestral song. I really like it. And I actually have it as one of my ringtones on my phone. <laughs> nice. I never watched Robotech. No, I think it was a little, I was still, I was watching Voltron. Was Voltron mm-hmm. first or Robotech first? Around uh, the they're same time? around the same time. All right. Yeah, yeah, I never got into that one. That's all right. I didn't realize it was three different shows kind of merged yeah. into one. Oh, completely unrelated. That they just had things that turned into robots. Like one show was like guys on motorcycles that could turn into robots and planes that could turn into robots. They just kind of all smash it together. All right. Well, why not? Sure. <laughs> all right, then. Where am I? Here is uh, my number three. Banded together from remote galaxies are 13 of the most sinister villains of all time. The Legion of Doom. Dedicated to a single objective, the conquest of the universe. Only one group dares to challenge this intergalactic threat. The Super Friends. So, Matt, that is the challenge of the Super Friends. One of the unique things about the Super Friends shows is like every year it had a different title. Mm. And they would do something different with it. Uh, but that is the challenge of the Super Friends. Is that, that specific year is the is my favorite. Okay. The ones before are okay, and then they introduce like the kids, not the um, Wonder Twins, but like mm. Wendy and Marvin and Super whatever that you know, and and they did the uh, Super Powers version, a few you know all that stuff. But that yeah. specific one was my favorite of that entire run. So that's my uh, three Super Friends. Fantastic. All right, play my number right, three. Are we ready? Yeah. All right, here we go. All right, what are we listening to here? This is the theme song for Gravity Falls, another show that me and my daughter really enjoyed watching. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's only two seasons long, super short Disney XD show, but it is great. It is so good. And it's got stuff there for the kids. It's got stuff for adults. It's got this whole vibe about where these two kids, brother and sister twin set, go and visit, live with their great uncle in Oregon for... Um, a summer and all the weird stuff that happens in their town. It's, it is a fantastic show and it's actually that song. That theme song is actually written by the same guy who did star versus the forces of evil. Now oh, they did have a kind of a similar sound to them. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. All right. Well, that makes sense. So then my number two, then Matt, it was the cartoon that I would come home from school to watch every day. I would rush home to get in front of the TV just to see this show. It was my all-time favorite. Is it the greatest animated theme song? Probably not. But the nostalgia factor alone for this, man, is it? It's just ugh, whenever I start to hear it, I want to watch the show again. So, and the masters of the universe. I am Adam. 
Prince of Eternia and defender of the secrets of Castle Grayskull. This is Cringer, my fearless friend. Fabulous secret powers were revealed to me the day I held aloft my magic sword and said, By the power of Grayskull! So, man, He-Man, the Masters of the Universe, man, that was my my, my thing back then. That and G.I. Joe, too. Mm. But what's funny to me is when I rewatch them now, the He-Man show, like the animations, it's bad. Yeah, it's real and, bad. And they, like, they reuse the same shots over and over again mm-hmm. in the same episodes. And G.I. Joe was actually much better. Yeah. And I'm starting to rewatch the G.I. Joe animated series, and it's pretty good. Um, like, I was watching the... I just restarted, like, uh, what is it, the, the mass the mass device, when they were able okay. to collect all the um, elements to create this thing to control the weather, I think. Yeah. It was, I, don't, I, don't remember, I don't remember. I just started watching, like, the first episode, too, the second one. But still, that, when that little filmation thing that we uh, opened up the show with as well... Yeah. ...would start, <laughs> and then we'd have the He-Man sh- kickoff. Yeah. I, just the joy that I would experience from that. So, yeah, that's where yeah. He-Man's my two. You know, I love T-Man, too. And you got to love – you. there's nothing better than the 80s ex- giving you all the exposition in the theme song. Telling you everything yeah. you need to know to watch the show, and that's it. They don't give you, have to give you any backstory because they already told you everything. Exactly. All right, mm-hmm. Matt, then. You're number two. We may have talked about it briefly. Yeah. Batman the Animated Series, I think maybe one of the best intro sequences of mm. any show ever. Um, just the way they kind of animate it with the what's going on in the music, how it all ties together. Again, I thought, I considered initially that, okay, it's the Danny Elfman score, but at the same time, I was like, you know what? No way. It's still it's still great um, if you're taking yeah. on it as its whole. And uh, yeah, I think it's just uh, one of the coolest intros for one of the, the best animated shows ever as far as american tv goes so there you go no, that's a great pick uh my number five but here's my number one then That's right. It's Ray Ellis's Spider-Man theme song from 67 through 69. But it's a bit of a cheat, Matt, too, because you know why? I love all the incidental music throughout the show as well. Like, I, it's on YouTube, so you can listen to it. But I'm, like, desperate to get, like, a CD of all of that stuff because it all has this kind of lounge, jazzy feel to it. And it is fantastic. I adore Ray Ellis's, Ray Ellis's score. For all of the Spider-Man animated series stuff, it's fantastic. I will just put up it on YouTube while I'm working or doing something like that, and just have the music on in the background. It's so it's just so effortlessly cool. Mm. So um, that's why uh, that's going to be my number one. What about you? Let's see what you're all right. Number. Let's listen to my number one. Listen, when I pulled it, I'm not familiar with this. Sh- I mean, I know of the show, but yeah. I've never seen an episode of it. Mm-hmm. I heard this theme, and I'm like, I got to watch this show. Jesus mm. Christ.
blow this scene, get everybody in the stuff together. Okay, three, two, one, let's jam. It's just so cool. Yeah, so my number one is the theme song from Cowboy Bebop, the um, anime about uh, space bounty hunters uh, making their way uh, across the universe. It is got this, everything in it, it's got this whole retro vibe to it. It's got, the soundtrack is a lot of jazz, a lot of this kind of bebop stuff in it. And it just kind of melds into this whole idea of cowboys and, uh, you know, Bruce Lee fighting and spaceships. And it, it is fantastic. It's considered one of the best uh, Jan- Japanese anime shows that are out there. It's only like, I think maybe eight episodes long, only one season. Oh, really? Yeah, it's really short. Um, it's does it's not super long. Um, so it's not a big investment. Um, but so if you if you can have the opportunity, I would suggest checking it out. I I think it's on. It was on Netflix for a while. It's, it's but it's going to be somewhere on some streaming service somewhere. Now it was a manga. Is it a manga too? I know it's like a graphic novel. I, th- I think long, so. It's I think very so, but popular, I, right? Yeah, but I don't know which one came first. If I don't know if the the anime came first, the manga came first. I don't know. Did you watch the reboot? Not the reboot, but the reimagining. The yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched it. I didn't hate it, but it's not great. I mean, I I appreciated the effort that they took to try and stay tore to the actual show, and yeah. it it had the same vibe, but it's just it just isn't as good. Interesting. All right. Yeah. That was great. What's your favorite animated theme song? We'd love to hear from you, Matt. Do you have any honorable mentions, though? Yeah, I have a lot. Um, Teen Titans, um, uh-huh. Attack on Titan, the first season, uh, SpongeBob SquarePants, because I've heard it so many times. I can sing <laughs> it to you right now. Um, the Transformers, Voltron, and X Men 1997. That's good. I would throw in uh, Scooby Doo, the mm-hmm. original one, uh, the Pink Panther, which oh, yeah. is a great one by Henry Mancini. Really, that probably should have been on my list somewhere. Inspector Gadget, too, would mm. always be stuck in my head. And a weird one, the uh, 1966 Captain America theme song. It's really mm. bizarre, but fun and odd. So, um, as I said, what are your thoughts? What are your favorite animated series theme songs? Just an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. I don't need five. Just give me one, two, whatever you're comfortable <laughs> with. So, uh, that's it. That's the big show for this week, Matt. What's coming up next week? Well, I checked on the list uh, before we started the show, and it looks like we're going to make an attempt for Bo is Afraid if it's available for us to watch somewhere. Oh, all right. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we have it open outside of Bo is Afraid because I think that's what it was. We didn't have anything slotted in, I think. Well, it'll probably be available digitally by then. Yeah. We'll have to see. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, we may be calling one of our many audibles that we do. Keep it exactly, asking, folks. And I, I want to point out, too, I guess now is as good a time to mention it as any. For the summer, it looks like, independent of something happening like an Oppenheimer Barbie situation, um, we're going to shift to one film for a while. It's going to allow us to pursue some other projects. I want to do some other stuff for the website for a very long time. This maybe will allow Matt to start his project, too, though we still need to name for it. Mm-hmm where he's going to go through his collection and decide if he needs to upgrade, toss it, or I'm not sure what it was again. we got mm-hmm. to figure out the beats on that. Yeah. But for the for the summer, at least, we're going to shift to just a one film, like unless something happens that's, that needs our attention. So uh, in the meantime, check us out at thefirstrun.com. You can find out uh, all the old shows are on there, as well as the report card, which still hasn't been updated. What the hell? And then um, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter. Do a search for The First Run. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Eventually you will find us. Head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a review. Help other people find the show. I think that's it. Oh, Matt, you know what I started doing? Mm. 
I don't know if this is a good idea. Uh, but friend of the show, uh, Claire of W Rated Pod, she did a Taylor Swift Excel sheet by she ranked every song and album. Wow. So I've started to do that with David Bowie. Oh, so wow. I'm going to uh, I'm going to try and figure a way to link that to the to the website as okay. well, and you'll be able to follow along as I go through album for album. I just got to figure out the, how to do that per se. Um, they would just be a a Google Doc thing that I just link. That's probably the best way to do it. All right. Uh, either way, so there's that. There's a bunch of stuff I've been wanting to do for the site for a while. So this will give us an opportunity. Sounds good. All right, that's it, folks. So go ahead, take care of yourselves. We love you very much. We will see you soon. Take care.